Welcome to the Calvary Assembly Podcast with weekly messages from Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. Anyway, I, we're glad to be here. Carol and I are we're glad to be here, and we're glad that you're here this morning. Uh, Carol and I are missionary evangelists, and you know what that means. We work as missionaries, but we also uh, work as evangelists. We've, had been, we've been doing this since 2001 after we left pastoring, and God has taken us to some incredible places. And, but where we are now focused on, I, I asked Pastor, I could just mention this briefly, where we are today is... We minister in the country of Latvia, which some of you know where it is. It's right next door to Russia, about 400 miles from the conflict in the Ukraine. But even though it's 400 miles away, they're still feeling the reverberations of what's going on down there. We go once or twice a year, and we spend a month in Latvia. And while we're there, I teach, and Carol assists me, uh, we teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit-filled ministry. We really believe that that is the key. This is the only school in all of Northern Europe that is a Pentecostal school, which means we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and we believe in the power of the, the, the Spirit-filled ministry. And so we teach our young people, and, there's, and it's remarkable to see how God is using them. We don't have time to tell you all the stories, but they, they come for a year, they learn, they get, they get a, a kind of a fresh enthusiasm for this kind of special ministry. And many of them have gone to Russia and they've gone into places where they are not really allowed to go preaching the gospel. And it's very heartwarming to know that those young people are still out there doing it. And we're set to go back in the end of September, the 1st of October. And, uh, and when we do, it will, be a, uh, it will be about our seventh trip over there. But... We ask that, and we always do this because we just put it before God's people. If you'd like to support our ministry, you can just give through your church, uh, see the pastor, and just, uh, if God should lay it upon your heart to help us, we would really appreciate your help. And we'd love for you to go through your church so that there is accountability and you know where the funds are going as it goes through your church and, in fact, on to us. But thank you. Thank all of you for your prayers. Let me pray for you because I know you are a missions minded church father we thank you for what you're doing here in the city of lexington and father it just it's it's just what you are doing you are god of the church you are the god of your people and you are the god of the people who are suffering and you are the god of the people who are enjoying privilege and so father tonight today as we enter your presence for the word of god may the word come alive and may your blessing reach our hearts and let us hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. While your head is bowed and your eyes are closed, this is something the Lord just impressed upon me a few weeks ago. Why don't you just take a deep breath? Would you do that? Just take a deep breath, and I'll tell you why. Because when you're gathered together, Jesus is here with us. And wherever he is, according to Scripture, the kingdom of God is there. The presence of heaven 
is there. So why don't you just enjoy the presence of God for just a moment? Can you do that? Can you lift your hands and just take a deep breath and enjoy the presence of God? Enjoy the, the peace of being here, the privilege of being here for just a moment. We worship you, Father, and we receive your peace and we receive your blessing in Jesus, in your name. Thank you for being here. Amen and amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to go with me to the book of John this morning, chapter 4. I want to thank your pastor. Please tell him I said thank you. I'm sorry he's not feeling well. Probably the thought of hearing me preach, you know. We used to hand out these prayer cards with our picture on it. And a guy came up to me and said to me, he says, Ernie, he says, since I got your prayer card, I've lost about 10 pounds. I said, that's remarkable. He said, yeah. He said, what we did is we put it on the refrigerator under a magnet, and every time I see your face, I just lose my appetite. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, John chapter 4, verse 27. I'm reading from the New King James Version. And at this point, his disciples came, and they marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come and see a man who told me all things that ever I did. Could this be the Christ? Then they came out of the city and came to him. And in the meantime, the disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have, no food. I have food to eat of which you do not know. And therefore the disciples said to one another, Has he ordered takeout? Did someone bring him something? Has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, and this is the key of what I'll be talking to you about this morning. My food is to do the will of the one of him who sent me and to finish his work. And do not say, there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Several months, uh, several weeks ago, well, months or whatever it is, it all blends together. Carol and I were in the Alaska, and I had been uh, invited to speak at an intercultural church there, a Native Assembly of God. And before I spoke, and it was a Saturday night, and the pastor came to me. He said, now, what you're going to do is you're going to be speaking here tonight. And while you're speaking, he said, we're going to be beaming your message and the rest of the service to the villages, there's about seven or eight villages that right now are cut off because of the depth of the snow, and they can't, we can't reach them to preach to them, so we're actually sending in the message. They've got it all set up on a screen, and they're going to be watching you and listening, and so just so you're mindful of what's happening, you're preaching to about seven or eight other villages at this time. And I know that happens every week, and it's no big deal anymore. In the church today, that's almost as commonplace as as uh, the, uh, the offering plate. But as he spoke, when he finished saying it to me, I, I sat down to wait my turn, and it suddenly struck me. And I don't know, for some reason, and I'm not a technical whiz, but for some reason, the thought of that just struck me. Here I am.
believe it. Anyway, so he said, just so you know, there's going to be people. And, and it, I sat there and listened for a moment. And I thought to myself, this is a tremendous tool. And it's happening right now. It's not a big deal. But think about what we are doing. We're sitting here in the comfort of this beautiful sanctuary. And the word of God is reaching into homes, reaching into places that maybe you will not visit or anyone else might go and preach the word of God. And I just sat there. It just stunned me. And I, heard, I remembered something that someone said many years ago. And he said, every technological advance that God releases the, the knowledge of it into the world comes from God for one purpose, and that's to fulfill his mission of reaching the world. Now, as missionary evangelists, that says something to me. Because I think of all the missionaries who've gone before us who've gone into villages and worked in one village all their life. And now the capability to reach around the world, stretching out into churches and meeting places. And we have preached, Carol and I have preached in places that we can't even pronounce the name of the city. But there they gathered to hear the word of God. And we saw the transformative power of the gospel. So what I want to talk to you about for just a few moments, and I told Pastor I would be brief, but if I'm not, don't tell him, okay? But I'm going to just talk to you about the, the harvest. Now, let me just say, first and foremost, I am not a farmer, nor am I a harvest expert. I do not, okay? I was raised in Texas on a cattle ranch, so I don't know that much about wheat, just from what we've learned in being here in Nebraska and, and North Dakota. But several, about a year, two, three years ago, I was preaching in a church in the Palouse. How many know what the Palouse is? Ever heard of the Palouse? It is the second largest wheat growing area next to you guys. And it's from the area just east of Spokane, reaching down into Idaho, way up into, this, uh, uh, into uh, uh, Canada. And they turn out tons and tons of wheat every year. But I was there with a the farmer, and I was preaching at his church. And the farmer, we were walking by the fields, or we were driving by the field, and then we got out and walked a little bit. And he looked across the field, and he says, Ernie, he says, I don't... I know you don't understand any of this, he says, but I'm looking out across the field, and I can see a harvest in the harvest. He says, I look out there, and I see some that are not, that areas that are not ready. He says, but I also see ready areas. He says, and my team of experts will come in here, and they will cut what's ready, and then they'll come back, give that other place time to get ready. And I thought, that makes sense to me. But he said something that Jesus said. And he was, as we're standing there looking out across those fields, and you couldn't even see the end of it. It was just an ocean of wheat like it is here. Just an ocean of wheat. And he said to me, he said, I see a harvest in there. I see harvest. I see, I see a section that's ready, and I see another section that's not quite ready. So what I'm going to talk to you about is found in verse 34. And if you'll go there with me quickly, Jesus said to the disciples who were bringing him food to eat because they were hungry and they'd gone off. But during this time, Jesus had had an, a tremendous encounter with a woman who came to the well in the middle of the day. Now, you all know what that means. You know you've heard enough teaching. She is there because she's kind of been isolated away from the other women of the village because she's not a nice person. But the more Jesus talks to her, the more 
we get to plumb the depths of who this woman is. Because in the days of Jesus, number one, women were not considered to be intelligent. And we all found out that's wrong, amen? Usually the women just kind of, yeah, you know. But, but as Jesus began to talk to her, in the days of Jesus, in the culture of Jesus, single men did not talk to single women that they did not know in public. And in fact, the Jewish leaders, the, the Pharisees, taught that to do this would be considered a sin against the sanctity of what God had set up as an order. And the women had actually no place in this divine order other than to bear children for their husbands. And that was the worth of that woman to the village and, and to the, her society. But I like this point. I to, in fact, let me just tell you something. Every morning when, it sat, when the Pharisee got up, how many have heard of the Pharisees? You know the Pharisees. Okay. Every morning when they got up, they, prayed, they turned to, the, to where the sun was rising in the east and they prayed a prayer that sounded like this. God in heaven, creator of all the universe, and here's just my verse. He says, I thank you that I was not born a dog, a tax collector, or a woman. But now in this setting, by a well, on a hot day, Jesus encounters a woman who is thirsty. And she is not just the only one. Because somewhere off in the distance, you can look back behind her, and you can see a village of people who are also hungry and thirsty. But maybe you can't see them. Maybe all you can see is the immediate need. Maybe all you can really see is, Jesus, you're not supposed to be talking to that woman. But I want you to hear what Jesus said. And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of of him who sent me and to finish his work. And in that one line, many Bible scholars say, that literally captures the entire mission of Jesus, doing the will of him who sent me. And if it meant crossing barriers and if it meant stepping over boundaries and if it meant breaking through walls and if it meant healing sick people and if it meant opening blind eyes whatever there was that needed to be done this is why God sent me this is what I have come to do and I've come to finish the will of him who sent me my life my enjoyment the pleasure that I gain from life is knowing that I am finishing the will completing the will of the one who sent me. Because God viewing earth from his throne sees, he doesn't see people as we see them, but rather he sees people, and listen carefully to this, he sees people as they are needy, hungry, needing something more than they can only assume they need. And so when he talks to this woman, I love this conversation he has with the woman. And it's another different story. We'll, we'll tack it up on the board and let somebody else deal with it. But it comes, it comes out like this. My will is to reach her. I am not so fixated on the things of this earth that I lose track of why God sent me. This is my purpose. I was listening to him the other day on a, on a talk show, sports talk show. And they were interviewing an up-and-coming quarterback. And he says, this is why God created me, to throw the football and to lead us to the championship. 
And it sounded, everybody applauded him and said, what a noble goal in your life. But Jesus said, my goal, my goal is to reach lost people, is to love hurting people, is to bring people into a place where, and here's a word you'll know, where they can encounter a God who loves them. That's my purpose. And here's something that I've always stressed and something I will always stress. If you are here today and you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you're striving to walk in the footsteps of Jesus and be a disciple, here's something you need to know. This is God's purpose, reaching others. Now, you might be successful at many things, and that's okay. There's no problem with that. Be the best at what you do. Everything you do, do heartily and mightily as unto the Lord. Do it, do it well. But remember that my purpose in life is not just to be the best at this, the best mom, the best dad, the best pastor. My goal in life is to finish the will in the words of Jesus. Because we walk in his footprints. Peter put it this way in 2 Peter chapter 2. He said, this is your purpose, to walk in the footprints that he left for you. This is why you live. Walk in his footprints. So I would say to you, I would say to you, wherever you are on life's journey, whether you're just loading up for the years ahead or you're looking back at what you've done, tomorrow is all about accomplishing God's purpose on the earth at whatever level and whatever station he's placed you at. That's why God has called you. See Jesus standing there in the hot sun. We don't know if he ever got that drink of water. But standing there in that hot sun, it satisfied his life to know that he had reached this person whom everybody else had pushed aside as not being worthy of religion and acceptance and inclusion into culture. Jesus said, why don't you step over here? We have living water. And that's the purpose. That's your purpose. And that's my purpose. Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me. And let me do my part to love that soul to thee. That's who we are. Now, somebody said to me not long ago, well, if I'm busy doing that, I won't be able to accomplish what, what I, my own goals, my own personal thing. Jesus put it this way. Seek first, say it with me, the kingdom of God and all these other things will be. Amen. Seek first his kingdom. Do what brings honor and glory to his kingdom around us every day in situations that I might never encounter or places and people that are with you who you may think, oh, they're okay, they're, they're doing well, you know, or you might think, boy, what a loser. But it doesn't matter what you think about them. It is how God sees them, needing the love that only he can give. And when we begin to see that, we do point two of my message. And there's only two points. Amen? Yay. Okay. It is to finish the harvest. It's to work and finish the harvest. You know, when I was first saved many, many years ago, and 
in, in living in the, in the South, living in Houston, Texas, and growing up in Southern churches. We used to sing a lot about the need, and we used to sing a lot about the harvest. And we used to sing about gathering sheaves and bringing in the sheaves. And then the church kind of got sophisticated. And it got kind of inward gazing. And it started, you know, it started just kind of looking at its own needs and how it can, how it can make, become a more acceptable place or how it can be a more. And it kind of, and, and we suddenly our focus was not on reaching people, but on making them feel good once they associated with us. But the harvest hasn't changed, has it? It's still people who have needs. And somebody told me one time, you're, you're, you're just trying to make me feel bad, aren't you? No, this is, that's not about this. Jesus said, I gain real satisfaction. I gain a sense of well-being when I reach others. I gain a sense of purpose when I reach others. And when I reach others, I am, in fact, harvesting that one area of harvest that God has given me responsibility over. It might be your street. It might be the school you attend. It might be the office you work in. It might be the store that you shop and know the clerks. That might well be the section of the harvest. And listen to this part, and I love this part. It, it, let's look at this first, uh, first 35, and then we're, we're going to pray together. Okay, we're, we're almost there. Behold, I say to you, and whenever Jesus uses the word behold, you know this from your Bible study and from your good teachers, the word behold there is, look, pay attention to this. I say, the God of heaven now, the God who created the stars, the universe, the God who created everything just now coming into view with these magnificent uh, telescopes that positioned in the sky, the God who flung them into existence and calls each one by name, the God who did all of this, the God who created you and I and created spiders and, and snakes too. You know, that God now speaks and he said, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. And you, if you're here, you know that there's a, there's a time for harvest. There's a time to harvest. My friend was pointing it out to me. He was saying, we won't harvest over here. It's not ready. The sugar level or whatever is not up. He said, but we know. I can see here that this section, and he had been there for 50 years, is I can see this section is ready and it's waiting. My team We'll start here. This is what Jesus is saying. Can you see a harvest that's ready? Or can you just see people who get in your way, who annoy you, who do stuff, you know? Either that guy, oh man, that lady has got some real problems. But instead, Jesus said, see the harvest. See them. Because someone saw you, if you're a believer here today, someone saw you and harvested your life into the kingdom of God. Isn't that amazing? One day you'll be standing up there and you'll have your crown on, your beautiful robe, you know, and your big shiny face, you know, no glasses. And you're standing in front of the throne of God and someone will come and tap you on the shoulder and say, I just want you to know 
I prayed for you that you would be here. Or maybe you'll go to someone, stand beside them and say, I'm so glad to see you here. I was praying for you. Because you're not sitting here alone. You didn't just wander into the kingdom of God. Someone was pointing you to. Someone was opening the door for. Because they saw you as someone ready to enter the kingdom of God. Isn't that amazing? You, you can say amen. That's right. Usually we have a big flashing applaud, applaud. You know, but not today. But, but the idea is that's why you sit there today. And one day when you stand in the presence of God and you're wearing, your, and you're wearing all of your flashy, you know, heaven clothes, you know, and you're looking good, looking fine, you know, it will be because someone whispered your name, someone prayed for you, or maybe someone opened the Bible and showed you what must I do to become a believer. So Jesus is saying, my goal, my joy is to fulfill the purpose of the Father. You know, I, I, and we're, we're, when, when you and I, you know, stand before God, you know, first let me, let me just put a pause here for just real quick. I'm going to touch the pause button and just insert something here. Uh, when I was about 12 or 13, uh, about 10 or 12 years old, somewhere in that range, and I was, actually I really was that young at one time, I remember sitting in the back of a Baptist church in Houston, Texas, and I was sitting in the back row, which what Paul Harvey said, always come early to church to get a good space on the back row. You know, so we're sitting in the back row with my brothers, and we're playing with airplanes, and we're cutting out stuff, and we're writing notes to one another, and my mom was turning around trying to pinch our ears, pay attention, you know. And, and we're, week after week, we sat there, and then one week, I remember I was sitting still, and I heard these words. Ready? You need Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Because if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you won't be able to go to heaven. And in fact, you will go to hell. That's all he said. Baptist pastor, straight out. And all of a sudden, something inside of me just went. I could feel something inside of me. And I was sitting like clear over in the back. And the moment the musician began to play, I got up. And I remember without anyone urging, I came forward, all the way to the forward, and I knelt down on the altar. And I gave my heart to Jesus. And the pastor prayed over me, and he shook my hand. But you know what he forgot to do? He forgot to do something that morning. He forgot to sit down beside me and say, okay, now that you've become a believer, here's what lies ahead. Miracles, answered prayers, a wife that God will personally send in your direction, five wonderful kids, grandkids who love God and are going to Bible school, all oh, miracles that you won't even be able to count, blessings, so many of them that you will spend a lifetime enjoying them. Every morning you'll get up and there'll be a new blessing for you. He didn't say that to me. But in the years that I've been a believer, I begin to realize there is so much more to just being a Christian. There's a life in Christ 
that is so remarkable, that is so different from what it could be. I think of my friends who are not believers and how they're struggling to make sense out of life, find purpose in life. And I'm just kind of floating along saying, I can't wait to see what God has in store in the next round. He didn't tell me. And the only reason I insert that here is because when you turn to someone and you say to them, let me share with you what God has done in my life. And you see them. But because we are who we are, the Pew Organization says that nearly one, two-thirds of every congregation in America, Protestant congregation, has never, ever spoken a word of witness to another person. Jesus said, my purpose, my fulfillment is to finish the purpose and do his will and to finish the harvest, to finish the work. And that's our purpose. It's not because we're, you know, somebody said to me, well, if I do that, isn't that for like pastors, evangelists, uh, Sunday school teachers, and people who go on mission trips? Uh, no, this is for everyone. We have a wonderful opportunity to minister life, to speak life into the people around us. And in America, it is a challenge, but it is also and let me just, I'm almost, I'm almost done. Wake your neighbor and say, wake up. He's almost done. So that they don't jump up all of a sudden. You know. But all of this in tune just simply says that this is who we are. This is why God created us. This is why he's given us the, the blessings of every day. So that we can see what other people need. But first you have to see the harvest. You have to see you have to actually see people as God sees them. Not see them as a burden, a problem, or there he is, and I don't know, but see them as a purpose for which they were created to love God. I was preaching at one other church, and then we, we close. I was preaching at a men's convention, and um, it was in a town where they specialize in growing and maintaining seeds. And one of the farmers had brought a seed to the men's breakfast that morning. And he, he, he showed me, he says, you see this seed? And it was, I think, I forget what it was. He says, you may not know this. He said, but this tiny little seed carries within it the act of creation. He said, somewhere buried in this seed was a little nothing that responded to the word of God when God said, seed, reduce, producing seed after its own kind, after its own kind, after its own kind. Thousands of years later, I hold in my hand something directly connected to creation. Is that fascinating? Is that amazing? And now, that seed, that word that brought life to inanimate objects, that word that filled your life is now here in this room this morning. If you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, if you don't know who he is, we want to invite you to know 
Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And secondly, if you're here today, I just want you to do one thing. Lift your eyes and see the harvest. See people as God sees them. See who they are and not who you think they are. So let's do this together. Let's bow our heads together, shall we? I can't change you. I wish I could. But I can ask you to pray with me this prayer. And in fact, I'm going to ask every room in this, everybody in this room to repeat after me because this is, a, this is a marvelous, a marvelous prayer. So would you repeat after me? Father in heaven, I confess I need you. I need you desperately. I need you to change my life. And I thank you that you have the power to change my life. So I surrender my life to Jesus Christ. And I give him all that I am. Come into my heart and make me a new person. Just before we make our last prayer, let me just share this with you. I know our time is up, but let me share this with you. I was uh, I had a Saturday free and so it's summertime and I was working in the front yard of our house and I was cleaning out Carol's rock garden. She calls it a rock garden. I call it a pile of rocks, okay? And she said this, she said, as soon as you finish cleaning up the rock garden, we'll eat lunch, okay? You recognize that, food as a weapon. But while I'm working out there in the hot sun, a young lady comes up to me, and you could tell immediately she's in a counterculture. She has all the piercings, leather jacket on a hot, le on a hot weather day, purple spiky hair, everything that you would think of. And she looks down at me and she said, are you a preacher? And I said, yes. And she said to me, she says, can you baptize me? And I said, what? She says, will you, will you baptize me? And I, so I set up and I put my preacher hat on and I said to her, why do you want me to baptize you? And she sat down beside me on the ground and we're sitting there in the hot sun and she said to me, and she shared with me, and she's probably in her mid twenties. She shared with me a horrible, heartbreaking story of someone who had been abused and someone who had gone through drugs and someone who was wanting to escape alcoholism. And she said that she was running from a spouse who beat her, and you, know, you probably heard the story. And so I said to her, I said, but she said, somebody gave me this little orange Bible, a Gideon Bible. And she says, I've never read the Bible in my life. But she said, I started reading through the Bible, and I realized that I needed what this Bible was talking about. And it said something about being baptized. And so I come to you today and I say, can you baptize me? And I said, well, have you been born again? And she said, I, I don't know. And I said, well, have you given your heart to Jesus? I don't know. And then she said, I said to her, are you saved? And she said, 
I, I, I don't know what that means. And the Lord just spoke to my heart and said, she doesn't speak church. She doesn't speak church. So I looked at her and I said to her, we sat there a few moments and I just kind of leaned over to her and I said, Heather, if you could start your life all over again, I mean, if you could just wipe away everything that's ever happened, wipe it all away, all of the drugs, all the hurt, the alcoholism, if you could just kind of wipe it all clean, would you do that? She did something broke my heart. She dropped her chin on, and she said, if that, if that were possible, I would do it right now. And I took her hand, and we're sitting there, and now we're leaning back against my wife's old suburban, and we're sitting there, and I took Heather's hand, and we began to pray. And she says, I don't know how to pray. And I said, listen to this. And I said, Jesus, Heather wants to start again. She wants to clean up all the mess. And she wants to be brand new in you. She wants to start again. And I could hear her sobbing. Just get rid of this stuff. Just get rid of this stuff. And as we prayed together, you could see what God was doing in her life. Tears of repentance began to flow. She began to break down there. And we were done. She looked at me and she said, hey, man, what just happened? And I said, well, we call that being born again. But in my mind, what I know what's happening is the harvester has come. And he's harvester right into the kingdom of God. And she's got this big smile on her face. And I, leaned, and I said to her, Heather, now we're going to baptize you. And if you're here today, prayer we prayed all together is meaningful. But here's the next part of that prayer, and all of us here. Would you stand together with me? Thank you guys for letting me go just a bit later. Extra stars on your heaven charts, okay? But if you're here today, when you go back and you leave this place, the enemy would like you very much to leave everything you've heard. Leave it here. He'll say to you, and he does this, uh, that's okay for church, but it don't work out here in the real deal. And that's not true. Because the real world is where it works best. Is where it works best. So would you close your eyes with me right now and just pray one simple prayer with me. You can pray it in your own way. I'm just going to pray for you and then you pray in your own way. Lord, help me to lift my eyes and see the harvest. Don't let me see hurting people. Don't let me see someone who's captured by addiction. Don't let me see someone who lives a normal life. Let me see a harvest waiting for the harvester. Would you pray that right now? Kind of put your hand over your heart because that's where you're coming from. And just, Lord, let me see people, but let me see 
the harvest. Father, right now, I pray with my friends who are praying, let us see the harvest in the people that we talk to, in the family that we care about, the person that we bump into, that we can say to them, you know, God loves you and he wants to change you. My will is to do the work of the one who sent me. My purpose, my joy is to finish his work. Lord, we give you praise.